You're tuned in to RX Radio. Movement prescribed. Brought to you by Prescript.com. A personalized approach to keeping you healthy and making your best even better. Your hosts, Dr. Jordan Shallow and Dr. Jordan Jinta. Five or six years that I've been in the industry, in a hardcore industry. Yeah. Um, and when you meet me in the street, you're gonna get the same fucking shit. So it's like I'm gonna say it regardless. What do you What do you say when people ask you what you do for a living? Um, like you're walking through TSA, uh-huh. you're in the airport. Someone looks at you and goes, "I gotta ask, what do you do for a living?" I'm a business owner. That, that's what you tell them. Yeah. I'm a business owner. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. No, but you're just like that's an interesting thing to say. Like you're your own business. Pretty much, yeah. it's like one of those things. Yeah, I mean, you know, the hardest question is is people don't. It's not what do you do for a living. It's how do you, how do you make money. Mm. That's okay. the question. Because like I would like without being too prejudicial, if I was walking to the airport and I asked you that, I'd be like, oh, this guy just sells drugs. Okay, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I'm a business owner. It's like, yep, me too. What business are you in again? What business are you in? So you're gonna have to come into tertiary screening, please. <laughs> well, it's funny, man. The um, was last year we were at when we came to Wadapalooza. We mm-hmm. went out me, you, Hayden, Steph, and we were walking through Wadapalooza, and one of the police officers there, because obviously there's like thousands of people there, so there's a ton of cops. Someone grabs you up from behind, like one of the cops, because obviously they all know you in in like mm, Dade County, yeah. right? And I was just like, oh shit, because I didn't know that you knew everyone, like, yeah. and I should have assumed that. And like this guy just like jokingly came up behind you, like wrapped you up, and I was like, this guy's gonna die. Tony's gonna kill a police officer. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna be a witness to a felony. Like, do I leave? Do I cover my eyes? What do I do? Because how long are you from Miami originally? Yes, born and raised in Miami. Miami, realist people fakest asses i've ever seen i never saw a fake ass before i came here it looks like a pigeon wearing a diaper it's the strangest look ever um it is the mecca of of women paying the 10 or 15k to get them done up like a model you know what I, mean? I had i was just at elevation um mm-hmm. the gym there in miami and the guy at the front desk was, I, i'm enamored by this whole thing i've never seen anything like it and that's like if this is the Mecca as far as city goes, that particular place seems to the be elevation? the epicenter. No, 100%. Yeah, and 100%. I talked to guys from Tesla, like, yo, what's the deal, man? And he's like, they're just trying to get drafted. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, drafted, like, what are you talking like, NFL? You bring back lingerie football league? No. And they're like, no, 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 drafted. Yeah. Like, the sugar daddy Olympics. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. The Hispanics, I would, I would tell you like this, the, the women, Colombian, Venezuelans, uh, Brazilians, they tend to, to push that. A lot more. Uh, not saying that they're bad people, good people, anything yeah. like that. They're just um, those women tend to get their their you know their their tails done, get their breasts done, their lips done, you know. And then it, I guess it's a social status for them. Okay. You know that, that it's normal, but that's a normal thing. Yeah. It's not like it's abnormal. I mean, obviously you're gonna have your usuals that like you look at them, they're like, bro, that 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 ass job was fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. They, there's they put ten pounds in each in each cheek, you know. And that shouldn't have been done, but. To the, if they like it, hey, look, I'm a, look, I'm eco opportunist, bro. Yeah. If you are happy with your body, however you did your body, and you're happy with it, more power to you. Yeah, that's the thing with the city. Like, n- no one bats an eye. I'm walking around mm-hmm. like just some pasty kid from Eastern <laughs> Canada, going like, "Will you take a look at this shit?" Like, to me, it's the craziest. It's the craziest city in America for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Like New York, Chicago, like upscale college or well, see, so someone like you would know because you've traveled the country, yeah, you traveled the country, yeah. you traveled the world, you know. So. 
when you come down here, and I explain to people, it's like, there is no place like Miami. Cali's not even close. No. New York's not even close. Chicago, nowhere near it. It's just, not even Texas. The amount of um, women that you're going to get here, the amount of models, the amount of that type of uh, uh, genre, I guess, or people, yeah. demographic is what I'm looking for. Demographic, you're not going to get that anywhere. I don't think a city like maybe Monte Carlo but like just flash and flare, bro. Like there's yeah. like Ferraris, like, oh man, that's like, that's like a, yeah. like a McLaren, that's a P1. Yeah. And then like two minutes later, there's another one. You're yeah. like, it's so saturated <laughs> yeah. just with like, especially on the, like if you go to Brickell and that, in that area here, it's a, it's just, but you know what? It's just a status here in Miami, man. Was it always like that? It's ever since I can remember. But honestly. there's some tough parts of Miami. Uh, no, are you kidding me? Everything like Liberty City, fucking yeah. pork and beans. No, like there's no, places no. where I'm like, yo, I don't want to fucking be. There is places in Miami that if you get off on the wrong exit, you may not come back yeah. from that exit. You know, because it's, it's like, like you like, don't end up like you growing up in an environment around Ferraris and fucking Bentleys. No, 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 absolutely not. No, no. I mean, <sighs> I grew up in. Uh, I, I was raised up in Carroll City, which is now Miami Gardens. Yeah. And I started from there, and I went from there to Hialeah. Two of the like worst cities in the so they're top yeah 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 so it's like last couple of years back in miami gardens they made miami gardens all it used to be miami-dade county oh. uh and then it made it into their own city which ended up being miami gardens okay. i think like a year or two there was like 23 days and 24 shootings in 23 days in miami gardens that's where you grew um, up yeah that's well it wasn't called miami gardens back yeah, then it was yeah. called carroll city so i started there migrated to, to, to Hialeah and then went kept i just kept coming down south you know yeah. from there i went to like Cutler Ridge area. Uh, well, I'm lying. I went to Kendall first and Cutler Ridge area. North Palm Springs. I've moved around a lot. It was just me and my grandmother. How, uh, much, my of, how much of your environment growing up is set the stage for where you're at now? Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Period. Yeah. Uh, mentally, um, physically, everything. You know, as, as you grow up, uh, you struggle. And it, it, it definitely prepares you for the, for the future. Uh, struggling in the future if yeah. it happens to come out you know what i mean uh i don't know I, i've always been a type of person where uh, i've been a strong-willed person like uh, i did what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it and how i wanted to do it i wasn't the type of person where if a group a group of people were doing that and then i would follow the group you know if i didn't like that i was like nah, i don't like it i'm gonna go my own way like growing up where you grew up what were your options career-wise like if you look back at kids you grew up like in the neighborhood where are they at now because, um, I mean, you're in a special place that not many people are in, a period, regardless of where you grew up. Yeah. But it, You know what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the friends, once I got to about high school, I ended up ended up in a private school, uh, Westwood Christian, after, so I was like sixth, seventh grade. Those, I want to say those were my friends, because before then I was just jumping around. Yeah. It was literally from school to school to school to school to school, you know, so... Uh, those guys are the guys who are still have my, like my friends, and I've known them for like twenty plus thirty years. You know, not many. That's a couple. Uh, those guys turned out pretty good. They're they're okay. They're doing okay for themselves. Um, uh, but the younger guys, I, I I couldn't even tell you. Like I know a couple of them that didn't turn out very well. You know, uh, and uh, family relatives that didn't turn out very well either. You know, I don't want to go into details about that, but um, there's just you grow up in that. That gang life and that uh, drug life and all that, right? You grew up there, but you choose not to do it. It's the hardest thing, you know, because everybody else is doing it. So you have to make a choice, you know. Uh, my mom and my grandmother, when they saw that I was getting bad to that point, they pretty much, like, yanked me out of it, you know what I mean? Just so I wouldn't go on the same path as 
some of my relatives did. So, um, and when I say relatives, like my cousin, you know, just people that were close around me at my age at that time. So they kind of pulled me out, and then we just kept moving down south. And the more south you go down in Miami, the better off you you are. North and then or east is where it's really bad. Um, as I get older, you know, it's not that the money's better. It's just that the, the, the environment's a little bit better. Yeah. So if you're not constantly in that environment, you kind of, you know, you it's a little bit better. Period. When when did like the the fighting and the combat? Because like you your I mean your history through military, through policing, through SWAT and all that. Mm-hmm. When did like the the kind of that spark for? Okay, I'm gonna need to either defend myself or I need to go on the offensive. When oh. did that start? Is that a survival instinct? I was kicking and punching before I could ride a bike. Really? Well, yeah. I was at, uh, I started martial arts when I was about four and a half years old. Four, four and a half years old. And I uh, started in, in hard style Japanese karate. Uh, it was uh, Shitoru, which is kind of like a sister to like either Shotokan or, or Gojuru. It's kind of the same thing. Just different styles of katas, different forms, but it's almost the same thing. Started off there, then uh, worked my way uh, to another style, uh, which was by a guy who was Russell P. Rog. The first one was Yonai Perez. Uh, I got my first, I got my black belt, Shodan in Japanese style karate. I uh, went to the Junior Olympics twice um, in that and point sparring and all that. And um, that was before nine or ten years old. So I was exposed to the competition. I was exposed to the to the, the constant um Ass whooping, <laughs> that's a hard style Japanese style karate, which instilled a lot of discipline in me. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in that. Because back then, even at seven or eight years old, they were hitting you with a bamboo uh, sword across your legs in horse stance and all that. It's hardcore. I would have loved to have seen your eight year old Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> I think that would probably be way I more showed, popular. I showed man. a picture. I have a picture of me doing a, a flying uh, flying kick, flying sidekick in a photo of uh, where people was like, man, is your, is your head hit the, the, the roof? Because they took the picture low to high. Yeah. So it makes me like, and I could jump even back then, I could jump pretty high. So yeah. it makes me look, you know, and uh, I think I was like maybe like nine or 10. And that, and that, well, I'd imagine not being 250 pounds makes it way easier <laughs> yeah. to jump. Like we were talking the other day when you jump the car, it's just like the process that goes into it now being fucking 250 Jesus. pounds. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking insane. I mean, I would say, and, and, and uh, to clear this, to clear it on the air, and I'm glad we're yeah, going to yeah, talk no, about this, thing, you know, um, it took me fucking 30 minutes to to build up the intestinal fortitude to, to, to make that car jump. Yeah. Uh, unless you've trained in mixed martial arts or trained in some form of mixed martial arts where you learn how to land, you know, where front roll, rear roll, side rolls, whatever, side landing, it, and extensive experience... You know, I don't ever recommend to do something like that in regards to because even me with that I've been doing mixed martial arts for 34 years, right? Um, I was scared of shit because the wrong landing will destroy you. It will it will dislocate your shoulder, probably give you a couple herniated discs, break your fucking elbow, snap your head. You know what I'm saying? Which is there's so many bads for that one good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I've been doing those jumps. Even when I was younger, I would jump over five or six people head first, you know, uh, come, you know, bent over. And during my black belt demos, demonstrations, because the black belts usually do demonstrations, right, before they would test for their black belt, uh, I would do that. I would do a demonstration where I would head first roll over like five or six people at a young age. Now I wasn't 245, 250 pounds. Yeah. So not too long ago, I did a video, an actual YouTube video, where I do some some boxes, you know, whatever. Uh, and I ended up being about five or six feet in height and about six or seven feet in length. But it were just boxes on a mat. I did it. 
video did very well. It got a very good feedback. So I was like, oh, not too bad, you know. So I was like, man, I've never done a car before. So natural like, progression, yeah, really. Yeah. Box the car, yeah. Like, but you know, it, it, it's it's almost the same distance in height. You get yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. It's almost the same distance in height. But when you're doing something on concrete, and when you're doing, and, and you know, and you gotta jump, you gotta jump over the car. Um, it it does. I can't see what's on the other side of that car. So when I'm going in midair, this is what I explain to people: like when you're jumping in midair and you're jumping like feet first, or like you're hitting something like a parkour guys. Um, and even parkour guys do some of the front roll stuff. Um, you can see, you kind of see yourself jumping it, and you're landing on your feet, and you're okay, even if you land and roll out of it. But when you're going head first, when the last thing you're seeing is that mat. You know what I'm saying? And you're gonna hit that mat, and you're thinking in your head, "Man, I really hope I hit this mat good, because if I don't hit it good, it's gonna be six, eight weeks. I'm out of commission." And you well as know as I do, the worst eight, six weeks out of commission. We're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. Man, it, it just fucks with your head, it, Oh, man. 100%. You know, and so it took me like 30 minutes to, to build up the, the, the balls to do it, pretty much, is want to say that. Uh, Diego uh, Devera, my good friend, yeah. he, he, he um, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for him, 80% of the shit that I've done on Instagram or 80% of the stuff that I've done in my life as an athlete, I wouldn't have done. So I give him all the credit. He pushes me beyond what I know I can do mentally. Like, I will look at something, we're doing whatever it is that we're training, and he's like, I want you to put this much weight, this is part of the program, I want you to put this much weight, we're going to do this farmer's carry, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, do this, and I'm like, I can't do that. I tell him to his face, I'm like, I can't do that. He's like, yeah, you can. I've been training you for 15 years, I know what you can do. You know, so when you have a coach or a guy that he is, he has all the, the, the backing and he has all that stuff, and he tells you, hey, you can do this, and you really honestly don't think you can, but you trust him enough to do it. That's how you really push yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I'm sure it's like the same thing in powerlifting or the same thing in strength sports, you know? You got a number that you got to hit that week and you don't think you can hit it. And your coach tells you, I know you can do it because I've been training you for this many years. You're going to be like, fuck it. I'm going to get under that bar. I'm going to try it. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about the power of belief. Yeah. But with, with you, like overcoming fear to jump over a car, I could imagine in the grand story of Tony's life, mm -hmm. what the fuck is that? Like honestly, like how many, how many situations have you been in your life? Like when is the most afraid you've ever been in your oh, entire life? Because no, yeah. it's like you, like just like background, like military background. Yeah, military background. SWAT background. SWAT background. In Miami Dade County. Miami Dade County. Yeah. Uh, You're jumping over a car. You no, better fucking but, sack up, dude. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, bro. But like, it's you different. Seem like it's different. It's different. And, and, and people never understand. Listen. You're in front of a door with your team stacked and you're going to go into a, in a room or a building that you know there's an armed subject in there and you have to get him, right? You have to get him. So it's a good chance you know that that door may be the last door that you go into. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you know it has to be done. You know it has to be done. And you're not going to not go in because if you do not go in, you're not going to be able to live with yourself if something happens to one of your teammates. So that is more detrimental than yourself. At that point, because your team members are more important to you than yourself. So when you put all of your your chips on the board or you put all your chips on the table and those individuals are more important to you than yourself, that becomes more important, if I understand. So the fear, it's not, any, and it's not, it's not even about fear of losing your life anymore because if you die, you die. It's about fear of not being there for your teammates that have been there for you for the last 10 or 15 years. 
and they have saved your life or they have done things to save your life or have you have been in scenarios with them that you did not think that you were going to make it out of life and you did because of them. So at that point in time, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's a running joke. And we used to say it all the time. We would be in a in um in an op or something like that and, and it was a, a rough op or something and we were like, yo, I quit. He's like, yo, I quit too. And it was a joke. We, we laugh about it. Then we go bust down a door and go in because you can't, there's no other way of understanding it. You know what I mean? Like that's the way you process it. You can't think about that. If you think about that, you're going you're gonna to second guess yourself when you're in that house. You're going to make mistakes. Mistakes cost people's lives at that point in time. Not like a jump over a car. Yeah. A jump over a car is more fear for me mm. because now I'm not only thinking, uh, I'm not only thinking of like, I know I'm not going to die. Yeah. Right? So if you die, you die. You're dead. <laughs> you, <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Yeah. Well, that's the mentality. Of it. Sure. At the end of the day, if you, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice or willing to die in the job that I had for that many years. You get me? You have to be, understand that, that concept. No fear of it. It's jumping over the car, getting hurt, right? Breaking my arm or dislocating my shoulder, and now I'm going to be out for eight weeks disabled. That is more detrimental to a person like me than just dying, if you get me. Yeah, oh, 100%. Hurt. Because now yeah. you're you're incapable of doing the things that you love to do or the things that you're able to do, and that is like, that messes your mind up more than anything. Well, I think the one thing I always feel bad for people who don't understand that, because it's just you haven't found something in your life that you're willing to go all in on. It's like, that's not worth living. That's worse than being disabled because at least I could at one point do the thing I loved to do and was willing to go out of my shield for it. 100%. For someone who doesn't understand that, it means, man, you're living, for me, that's unfulfilling. Well, that's the, it's, just, it's that saying that says, you know, I'd rather live, um, I live, I'd rather live one day as a lion yeah. than 10 years as a sheep, you know, as a coward. It's, it's there's no bigger regret, I, and, I, and I explain this to people all the time, and, and you get older, let's say you become 60, 70, 80 years old, and you're going to be in that dying, that laying down in that deathbed, and you're going to go back and think about your whole entire life, your 60 years of existence here, and you're going to sit back and you're like, yo, there's so many more things I could have done. I regret not doing any of those freaking things, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to live like that. I don't. If I live 50 years... Yo, I lived 50 years or 45 years or 50 years how I wanted, doing the crazy ass shit that I fucking did, pushing myself, living my passion, being an entrepreneur, doing this, all that stuff. I'm not going to sit down in a fucking, even if I'm in a fucking wheelchair, Jordan, I don't give a fuck. At that point in time, it was like, yeah, look at Ronnie Coleman. I'm going to give Ronnie Coleman as a prime example. Ronnie Coleman, it, it was disastrous of what happened to him, right? But even to this day, being how he is, he will still tell you the only regret that I had, yeah, I should have hit that third <laughs> rep. Everyone uh, every, You know what I'm yeah. saying? I should have hit, I, instead of doing three, I should have done five reps. Yeah. Just, people, I guess, people don't understand that mindset. Yeah. They don't. But the people that do understand that mindset are the people that are multimillionaires, are the people that are the best at their sport in professional athletes, the people that are Olympic gold medalists, the people that are... Why? Because they pushed their body their me and their mentality past that threshold that they even comprehended when they first started the sport, when they first started their, their ordeal. Now, me, I can't compare myself to those individuals because I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not a, a uh, Olympic this or Olympic that. But I, I put my mindset in the same concept of what I did for 20 years, right? And for them, it was a gold medal, right? 
it was a trophy. It was getting on stage. For me, it was making sure that everybody went home alive. Was it hard to walk away from that? Very hard. Very hard. It was one of the hardest things I ever did in my whole entire life. Um, the fear of, of leaving a job that I, that I loved. Um, the fear of leaving and then not being successful. Because everybody at my job, other than my close friends, were like, you're fucking crazy. You're out of your damn mind. Uh, for leaving, you know, police work, and you only have, at that time, I only had four more years, and I could have retired, uh, full pension, whatever, I still retired out, but I just, I had, I didn't get the full pension, um, now, uh, I would have had to do another 10 years, because they changed it, they changed the pension, so I would have done another 10, 15 years. What was the catalyst, what got you, what got you out of policing? Um, it wasn't the same anymore, I was burnt out, I had been involved in some, uh, sub operations and stuff like that, uh, and I was, I had like two civil lawsuits at the time uh, pending. And then I had just picked up a third one from 2013. Uh, so I had pretty much been benched. <laughs> I got benched because of all the civil lawsuits that I had been involved in and all the stuff that I had done. And uh, I saw the route that policing was going. I didn't like it. Uh, at that time, when I retired out, I was part of an undercover unit um it was called the uh, intel unit i was part of an undercover unit it had uh, my supervisor was a swat guy like me uh and then i was also a swat training coordinator uh helping out with the the um, defensive tactics training firearms training for the department I was just doing a whole bunch of different things you know but i was in my element just leave me alone let me let me write out my in my head i was like let me write out my four or five years left that i got i worked my ass off for you for you know i met that many years let me finish my time and i'm good to go um, and as my social media grew and, uh, it was getting harder and harder and harder, um, higher ups in my chain of command, giving me a hard time, uh, about worrying more about my business and then about work, which was true. I, I give that to them 100%. It was taking up a lot of my time. And, uh, uh, I saw myself just, it was a chapter in my life that I was, I just started I started seeing it diminishing, you know? And in this life, I believe that you have to take chances. If you don't take chances, you don't sacrifice, you're not willing to do the what you think is right for yourself, uh, then what are you living for? If you had to, like, go back and contrast, like, riding out that four or five years without having, and we talked about this yesterday, how to, like, you're like, sort of the jack of all trades, right? Yeah. Like, you could show up to a tax show, and you're the biggest fucking dude there. Or you yeah. show up to a bodybuilding show and there's no one that's going to make a gun look like a part of his body like you are. Yeah. Right? So how, like, if you had to contrast maybe two realities, one that you you went through where it's like, you know, you, you retired four years out, you said, eh, to the pension, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing, mm -hmm. pursue your career because you have other passions elsewhere. Like, this wasn't your identity. You had other other chips in play. Mm -hmm. Then can contrast to not having that not having those passions across the board and like riding out that four years and just kind of like going off into the sunset and not having something else to do. Where do you think you'd be now if you didn't have like so much breadth in like your, in your abilities, so much breadth in your passion? Cause I find a lot of people like, especially in sport, right? They, they're an athlete, they're not their identity. And then once they're done, they like retire and they just blow everything up their nose because they don't know what to do because they're not an athlete to. anymore. Yeah. Like how would you think you would have been, how do you think you would have coped if you didn't have you know, the MMA, the, the karate, the boxing, wow. the sparring, the bodybuilding, the powerlifting, and you were just a cop, you're just a SWAT guy, and then four years and you're done. I'd probably um, be teaching yeah. tactical training or something, which I still do, you know, obviously. I don't really do a lot of, I don't 
I don't ever teach on social media. I believe there's a should be a vetting process for that, when especially when you're teaching tactics and all that stuff. Uh, but I show drills. I show myself shooting. You know, whatever. Uh, if I didn't do anything else, that's probably what I would be doing. Obviously, because it has to go back to my background. You know, yeah. 20 years doing it and then getting out. You know, I have the background for it and I have the experience for it. Uh, that doesn't. Uh, a lot of guys do that when they get out of the service, military, whatever. They just teach. You know, uh, can you make a lot of money teaching? You have to work your ass off. And people don't have no idea what it's like to be on the range from 9 o'clock in the morning to 5 in the afternoon in the hot ass sun, running and gunning all day long. It's hard work. It's not easy, you know. Um, but I'd rather do that when I want to do it, not because I have to do it. That's the big difference. Because I find the biggest thing, like, and I, I mean, being in the fitness industry primarily, like, it's the only lens I really have to look through and, like, the social experience. So I see people as, like, they get typecast. Right, like mm -hmm. the bench pressing chicks, and it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, that's a positive feedback loop. You know, you go viral, you get, you know, mm -hmm. you get some money and you get some jangle in your pocket, and you got to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right, when the end of the month comes up, it's like, oh fuck, there's another video. Mm -hmm. How, I guess, how much do you value the fact that you are so um, variant, so multi-purpose? Because it's like you're the nicest thing about you is. You're the same on this podcast as you were yesterday in the gym, the day before that, and last year. Mm -hmm. There's like a there's a quote by Mark Twain that says, "If you never, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said." Yeah. And whenever I talk to you, that's what I that's what it comes to mind. Yeah, it's yeah. like whether it's on the podcast because I've seen people and I know you've seen it too, where yeah. it's like when this phone's in front of their face and oh, they have an alter ego, alter ego, <laughs> right? And that's yeah, yeah. got dude, it's got to fuck with you at the end of the day, right? That's what I think about, man. Like who comes who comes to the mirror at the end of the day? Yeah. You know what I mean? who, like, who are you? At the end of the day, who yeah, really are you? Are yeah. you alter? Are you your alter ego, or are you like the regular guy? You know what? What exactly? Um, I don't know, man. I, for me, it's it's you see what you get. It was, I, I've been like that my whole life. Um, I, I'm a straight shooter. If I don't like you, you're gonna know I don't like you. I'm gonna tell you to your fucking face. I don't fucking like you. Don't come around me. Don't you know what I'm saying? That's just the way that I've always been. Um, and if you're a straight shooter like me, we're not gonna have an issue. If you're a fake. And you and you and your your perception. If when I look at you, and I'm pretty good at reading people, considering that's what I did for you know twenty for a lot of long time. If I look at you and I and I I get that oh this guy's fake, you know John, you know I feel that he's fake that fake vibe. Um, I'm always gonna keep you at like that certain distance because I don't want to be part of that, and I don't want you to put your fakeness on me. Kind of like saying like oh now I'm gonna be involved with this guy's fake ass shit. Um, are there fake people here on social media? 100%. You know, uh, do I, and when I, going back to the part of like bench pressing chicks and doing all this stuff, listen, everybody has to feed the animal. At the end of the day, social media is the animal. And I want everybody to listen to that. And I don't care how much shit you're going to talk. And I don't care how much garbage you want to say no because, you know, you got to be real and you got to be this and you got to be that. And that's all Instagram bullshit. And you're doing it for the likes. Yeah, motherfucker, I have to do shit for the likes. Yeah, motherfucker, I have to do shit for the views because they're fucking paying me. You get me? Yeah. They're they're the ones paying my fucking bills. And they're the ones that are going to pay me next year and the year after that and the year after that. So if you're an individual that says, no, because you're not real, because you're doing this or because you're doing that, then you're not understanding that it's a fucking business. This is a business. So, yes, I train. When I train, I don't necessarily do things for instagram i train and i bring the video in 
to my training, show you highlights and show you probably, I would say, the cool shit that I do for the day. I don't show you the boring shit because you're not going to give a flying fuck yeah. about the boring shit. Because as much as you want to see it, you really don't want to see yeah. it. And you're, you know what I here's mean? Here's Tony doing seated calf raises for yeah. 60 seconds. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. yeah. Who wants to fucking see that? Because I know? remember the first one you told me you were, was it you were squatting and guys were kicking you in yeah, the fucking stomach? Yeah, that yeah. Was that the one? All right, listen to me. And I'm going <laughs> to say it right here, right now, okay? In 2015, I did a video, okay? I started Instagram in 2014. 2015, I did a video with Diego Devera and another pro fighter kicking me in the stomach while I was squatting uh, 315, okay? Uh, 225 first and I think 315 after, right? So I didn't think anything of it. Understand that. This is the way that I've trained for the last 10 years. The Argentinians and South American pro fighters, they do a lot of different striking guys for core hardening. So it was something that we did. We was just doing for core hardening and, and to making sure that my core was strong while I was squatting and then they would hit me for the breathing aspect of it. It wasn't I didn't do it. And then this is what people are like, oh, you're just doing that. No, no. I didn't do it for Instagram. I was just showing. At this point, my, my fucking Instagram was like 20,000 followers, 30,000 followers. So I did it. Didn't think anything of it. Posted it. And it went fucking viral. Nobody had ever seen anything like that on social media at the time. I was the original person who did that. You know, at that time, I think uh, this was 2015. So Instagram was on how long? Maybe a couple of years, two or three years? Yeah, yeah maybe two or three years. That, yeah. So nobody had ever seen that yet. Okay. Not saying that people hadn't done it because I know providers have been doing that for years, but nobody had brought it to, to social media. I did it. I gained anywhere between 75 to 100,000 followers within a month because of that one video. I've only done it one time, yeah. Jordan. One fucking time I did it. I never did it again. I never showed another video of me doing that again, right? I did one. It was literally a video for Instagram that I did it, and then I did a video for uh, YouTube that never went up on my Instagram, which is straight up for YouTube, right? It was a motivational video that I did. One of my, actually, my first motivational video that I ever did. And then um, after that, it was like nobody, everybody knew me as that one guy that did that. Like, oh, you're the guy that does the squats while he's yeah. getting kicked or whatever. And th listen, then obviously you have the individuals that are just, they just do it now, you know, not because they're they train in fighting, not because of anything like that, just to for the likes or just for Instagram or just for the stuff after. Because you know? that that workout was happening whether it was getting filmed or not. 100%. That was still going to exist in the fucking back room at KO or wherever it was, right? 100%. And, and that wasn't the first time that I had done that yeah. fucking thing. You know what I mean? I had little by little what I was doing was. I was doing repage. I started off at 135, then went up to 225, and then my goal was to hit 315 for like you know five to ten reps with one or two kicks in between each one. That was a goal from the set goal, and that was that was coming in from a from a couple years back, you know, as we had done it little by little, you know. But whatever, man, you you gotta. Now, are there things that I do for social media? Yeah, of course, you know, it, it, you you were here now in the fitness industry and even in the tactical industry uh, and any industry that you're in period you are worth as much as your social media nowadays yeah, 100 okay and what i mean by that is that not as a person because you as a person can be a phenomenal person a great thing but in a business aspect and that's what i try to explain to people that's what i mean by feeding the animal yes you can do all your regular workouts all your stuff workout really really hard really hard as a business if i come to you and you're my athlete and you're a three-time world champion, but you have 5,000 followers and you get 30 likes per photo or 30 likes per video, who, me paying you 
is going to give me a ROI where? What return on investment am I going to get from giving a zero, zero? Yeah. You're going to get actually zero because unless you're doing you're doing seminars around the country, right, which a lot of these world champion guys do. They do seminars around the country. And that company is getting a percentage of those seminars, which can be done as well, right? Then they're getting no no ROI. They're going to be paying you a grand a month or $1,500 a month for what? Yeah. For nothing. To, to, to use your likeness and stop bringing them any money. Because nobody knows who the hell you are, even though you're a three or four time world champion. You know what I mean? That's and that's the whole point. So if you don't have that following behind you, and I give a prime example, there was a girl not too long ago. She was figure. Uh, she was figure. Figure. Uh, she won the Olympia. This is maybe a couple years back. The Olympia and Arnold figure in the figure bodybuilding, right? Mm -hmm. Or figure whatever female yeah. version. And um, she was being interviewed by um, I can't remember what company it was, but there was a company that was interviewing her. And she had 30,000 followers. Hey, guys, you know, this is the Olympia winner and, and Arnold champion, blah, 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 blah. Uh, is it true that you don't have any supplement sponsors? Yes, I don't have any supplement sponsors for the moment. Olympia champion, <laughs> Arnold champion without a supplement sponsor. There's no following. Who knows about her? Yeah, she got on stage and she won that champion. That's great. And yeah. I listen, and I commend her for that. The amount of discipline that it takes to become an Olympia champion or an Arnold champion is ridiculous on this world. But, and and but, she's got to get paid. There's no value though. That was what I'm saying. She's yeah. got to get paid no. if she wants to do this for the next five to ten years. If she doesn't create that social media following, yeah. she's not going to get paid. Bottom line, man. I'm, well, where were we at? We were at Olympia last year. We ran, ran into each other for, mm -hmm. for a minute. Like right after you left the booth, I saw Lee Priest. And I saw fuck, Tom Platt walk yes. right by. Dude, I was losing my shit. Yeah. And there's a line of fucking punk kids for some jagoff social media YouTube guy. And then like people thought Lee Priest was the janitor. And I was like, <laughs> bro, like this, you guys don't understand. Yes. Like this is this, the dude, right? This is right? the guy. And he's just walking around like totally unfettered, man. Un and it's just, yeah. But I was like, dude, like there's no. Well, be, he, one, one thing, you, you know who he is and I know who he is because we're almost 40 years old. Yeah. Number one. Number sure. two, all the people in their 20s are not going to know who he is because it was before their time. Sort of quick interjection for those listening. I'm 28 years old, just so we got that clear <laughs> on camera. Uh, uh, okay, that's well. City uh, miles, oh, even, bro. Even then, even then, well, no, no, no but, totally but this is different too. Yeah, yeah. You, you're in this industry, right? And you do a lot of research. Yeah. You've been following bodybuilding for years yeah. on end. Most of these kids at 20, 22, 23 years old, they're not going to know who Lee Priest was in the 90s and the 80s. And the thing though, no one's going to know who these kids are next year. Oh no! How like just the scale of your following from like, 2012 to now? Every year, it's like it seems exponential. Yeah, well, it get gross. But because you, you provide value, and with you, and we were talking about this yesterday, is you provide value not just in the fitness industry, but also in the tactical. World. Yes. Uh, well, see, that's, that's one of the things that I have that a lot of guys don't have is uh, I'm able to jump back and forth between the tactical world, um, well, MMA, tactical, and fitness. Yeah. So I kind of like integrate all three of them. So I'm able to. Um, jump back and forth. Well, one's not doing good. I go to the other one. I go to the other one and boom, 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 boom. Yeah. We're talking about money-wise, right? So business-wise, um, that being able to hit three demographics is always going to help because now you have companies in each demographic that want to use your services. You know what I mean? So that helps a lot yeah. compared to just like an, a regular athlete that just maybe just fitness or maybe like a tactical guy, um, military service guy who's just tactical, you know? So I'm able to, I've been able to bridge I'm fortunate enough, I knock on wood, I've been able to bridge that gap between the fitness industry and the tactical world, which I think they're very, very close. Because as a 
person who, for example, carries a gun uh, for self-defense of their family or whatever that you may be, um, should be physically fit. As a law enforcement officer, you should be physically fit. As a military personnel, you should be physically fit. So all those things should somehow combine. Now, at that same realm, let's, let's create that full triangle. Not only as military personnel or law enforcement, whatever, security, executive, executive protection, whatever you want to do, anything in the self-defense world, you have to be physically fit. Why do you have to be physically fit? Because number one, um, if you do have a serious encounter, a traumatic, you know, you have to be able to physically perform to your best ability and save people's lives, save your own life, so on and so forth. Now, what if you don't have access to a gun or what if you don't have a gun? What's the next step of self-defense? Hand-to-hand combat. There goes your mixed martial arts. So all three realms are very close. It's just a matter of how you combine them and how you make them or each each different industry, because they're different industries, uh, how you make them relevant to each other. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to try to make people understand that. Some people do, some people don't. You know what I mean? You got to just give it as much as you can, you know? You mentioned earlier about, like, motivation. Yes. Now, like, a lot of people look to you across three different three different industries as a source of motivation, right? Yeah. MMA, TAC, and, and the fitness industry. Where do you look for motivation? Like, where do you wow. draw motivation from? Um... It's funny, I, I've never, my dad hasn't, my father's never been part of my life, so I really can't say, oh, my dad was my motivation growing up. I never had a father growing up, <clears throat> very, very, so I'm hardly never. So um, in the beginning, my motivation was always brought to me out of fear, motivation of fear of losing someone on the job and not being adequate or proficient to save somebody's life. If it came to me to, hey, I had to do it, physically fit, mentally prepared, Tactically, you know, tactically uh, uh, proficient. Uh, so that was my motivation in the beginning. It was always fear. Uh, I just didn't want to be that guy. Now, it, the motivation that I think I draw the most out of is understanding that when you get 30 or 40 DMs a day or 30 or 40 emails a day and these people are looking at you for that you've changed their life, that you've helped them, that you've done this, that you've done that, now it's more fear not letting those people down it's the same thing it's the same thing so it's a, it's a little different but it's same concept yeah and you know what i mean like i say same shit different smell yeah. uh it you know you see you don't realize i think i it, it didn't I, to me it didn't really hit me until maybe about two or three years on how much you affect people because you just to me i was just working out i was just training it's what i've been doing my whole entire life nothing has changed but then you go to a show and you shake this kid's hand this kid tells you he's lost 250 pounds because of you and he drove seven and a half hours to see you and shake your hand well, that's pretty goddamn uh you know what i'm saying like uh intense for me it's like this kid just drove seven hours to see me like i'm thinking in my head i would never drive seven hours to see anybody yeah and then his kid just lost 200 pounds because of the videos that he saw me doing stuff you know i was like wow you know that's pretty tall order you know what i mean yeah, well, I mean, it's I, I just scale, like, I look at that and I just scale, like, in, in intensity versus volume, right? Because it's yeah. like, it's one thing to want to train when you're kicking down doors and the guy's keeping your six and you want to make sure he goes home to his kids, yeah. but that's one guy. That's one guy. But now it's like you wake up every morning, 50, 50 DMs, 50 emails, and it's like, yeah, you know, you might not be jumping in front of a bullet for these people, but if that, what if that kid didn't lose 200 pounds? Yeah. Right. But what if the the hundreds of thousands or however many people you've reached didn't weren't affected in a positive way by you? So it's not a guy 
you're not fucking eating a bullet for someone, but at the same time, the breadth in which, you know, it's not one guy behind the shield, it's thousands of people yeah. behind a cell phone. It's like, that's still, it seems like a weird thing to contrast, but it, it still is equally profound in the total output, right? Correct. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a different way of looking at it. I mean, it's the same, like I said, it's the same concept, just these people, I don't have a personal relationship with them, but a lot of times when I do get those emails or I do get some stuff, you know, um, I've had uh, kids DM me about depression. You know, I've had military guys DM me about PTSD. I've had, um, so they're looking, you know, how do you deal with depression? How do you deal with, you know, like I'm depressed all the time, you know, and I'm trying to find motivation. And, you know, the, for the first time in five years, you know, I saw one of your videos and I'm and I'm ready to get back into it. I just don't know how, or I just don't know. So you, you sit back and you have to be like, you know, I cannot not write back to some of those people. Like, I, what if I don't? And then next thing you know, like, you know, they reach out and I find that he, he, he you know, committed suicide or he killed himself because it was just, I didn't reach out to him. I got to say something to the kid, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It obviously, it becomes hard. You have so many, but it doesn't matter. Like, there's certain, I guess when you read something, you kind of like read through it and you're like, mm, that one's important. I need to, you know, you also have like other knuckleheads that just ask you. You know, hey, hey, bro, like how many sets for chess? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but thanks very much. You know, also that, but it's, it, you have to, uh, what do you call it? Vet, you, it's a vetting process. You know, some people, some of them are serious and you kind of like be like, well, you know, I can't let that one ride. You know, and you go and you, and I've, I've had full-blown conversations with some guy that I had no clue who he was. You know, a, a former military guy that just reached out to me and he was hurting. His, his family was hurting, everything was hurting. He had gotten back. Uh, not too long ago, you know, and, and he and he was depressed, and he, he wasn't. He missed being with his guys, and he was back home, and he was wanted. He wanted to give his family the same attention, but it wasn't the same when he was with his guy. You know, things like that. I gotta sit there and talk to the guy, and he's like, "Hey, listen, you need to get back on the horse." You know what I'm saying? You gotta. That was then. This is now. You know, and, and nobody cares what you did back then. It's about now, and you know, now it's a different chapter in your life. You know, you got to work it, whatever you need to work it. A lot of people, believe it or not, man, when it comes to the military side, a lot of guys have issues with that. They have issues coming back to reality, to the real world, and then they don't know how to how to transition correctly. Is that a is that a rough burden to shoulder? Like, dude, my DMs are like, hey, bro, my knee hurts. Can you, like, how do I, what do I do to stabilize <laughs> my I hips? It's just like, all right, yeah, let's, we're not exactly saving lives here, yeah. kids. But, like, is, that's got to be tough, man. That's a lot of pressure on you to have to sift and vet with the magnitude of, the like, the consequence, potential consequence of not being able to respond to someone like that. Yeah, I, I, I just try to give him as best as I can. You know, I, I have a small, you know, an issue of PTSD. I have my own PTSD that I deal with uh, on a regular basis. Um... Mine isn't like theirs. I should explain. The military is compounded into two or three deployments. Their PTSD is compounded two or three deployments. So you have, whatever, six months, eight months, a year, two years, three years. So they did, they say, four years, four deployments, five deployments. So the other PTSD is compounded, <coughs> squeeze into that. Mine is compounded over 15 years. So uh, it's different. It's a different type of PTSD, you know. Um, but it's... It, how you handle it i guess me whenever i see those issues that i'm starting to feel depressed or i'm down or whatever i get to work i you know what i mean i hone in i'm like i keep myself busy whatever it is i don't usually what happens to me is i don't like to be with uh people i like to be alone so i kind of like shut everybody out for that day or whatever or for a few hours however until i i feel myself getting back to normal again everybody has their own way of dealing with it um i've never been a f person for medication 
uh, I like to deal with things on my own. Some guys have really bad, uh, especially individuals that have been obviously disabled or they, their friends have been, uh, you know, blown up in front of them and they weren't able to save them. And they have all these mental barriers that they're going to need medication just to function properly. Uh, but uh, everybody has to kind of figure out and deal with it themselves. You know, and I see like my, my buddy Crispy, uh, his, his Instagram name is Crispy11 Bravo and, and he was blown up and he was burnt 80%, 90% of his body is completely burnt. You know what I'm saying? And bro, you, you talk to that guy and the guy's the nicest guy and the happiest guy you ever meet in your life. You know what I mean? Some people are able to deal with it a lot better than others, you know? Um, and it just, it just depends on the person, you know? When you look to deal, like is it, do you ever bridge outside of your three realms or is it like say you're having a rough day is it is it mma tack bodybuilding powerlifting or are there avenues or outlets that we don't see that you look to reading music <sighs> food like anything that you bro go i'm a movie yeah fucking come fiend. on i'm a movie fiend. really i will i can bro like i, I love movies so yeah. it, i i watch every type of flick you can imagine girl flicks guy it doesn't matter what it I is i just i'm picturing Rogue. tony right now Nora jones diary <laughs> yeah. fuck off i got a bottle of pino i'm having a rough day it's 27 dresses yes <laughs> you got a favorite a favorite movie favorite movie favorite movie man on fire come on my guy man on yeah, fire how good right yeah. that's a wash denzel listen to me you could have done that i don't get starstruck i don't i don't i don't um like I try to see everybody as a regular human being. Sure. You put on the, your pants same as I do, you know. I don't care if you're worth a billion, gazillion dollars, you know. I talk to you normal. There is only one guy that I would ever, I think that I would be, bro, that I would be starstruck. Denzel. And I was like, yo, I got to get a picture with you. Yeah. You are my man. You know, yeah. hey, Zenzo Washington. Denzel, Coach Boone, no, the listen equalizer. To me, bro, he's the listen, best. He's the, a goat. He is. To me, honestly, um, some guys will say, you know, um, Robert De Niro. Some guys will say Al Pacino. Like you know, Pacino. Yeah, yeah, I do like them. I like them. They're yeah. good. They're, they're good, you know, and, and they've made some of my favorite movies growing up, you yeah. know. Um, but when it comes down to it in regards to, like, acting and, and the stuff that he's done and, and it's Denzel Washington hands down well, that Denzel movie Washington. specifically like I could just see that speaking to you on so many levels oh my right? gosh like the, the, the responsibility the RPG scene yeah till to this day when the old man tell him you know forgiveness is, is you know you have to forgive and he says forgiveness between him and God I'm, I'm here to arrange the meeting whoever wrote that whoever listen whatever guy wrote that he's on another level yeah. bro that shit was that was awesome. That's a good one. Yeah, that was that was a phenomenal movie. Uh, definitely, and the Dakota Fanning did a phenomenal job in she that was movie. Like eight years old. Yeah, eight years old. Yeah. She did phenomenal in that flick. Uh, it was just a really, really good movie I, all around. I never would have had you pinned as a movie guy. Yeah. I would have thought you just get to dude the way you, like you can't even in a single set you're doing twenty different things. Yeah. He's jumping cars. He's fucking sledgehammer. You know what it is with a movie? I I lose myself in the movies, man. I I will sit there and I will watch a movie and I will get my body it's like i'm getting my body and i'm in that movie yeah. and i and i see every movie for what it's good for meaning like if i go to see an action flick i'm there to see action if i see a, a drama a romance whatever i'm there to see that drama how good is the drama Does, is it going to give me goosebumps is it going to give me you know everything the special effects the avengers like the avengers movies and all these you know marvel characters not only do i go to see it for the acting because obviously acting is not going to be phenomenal but I go to see it for these for the special effects that they're gonna make this guy fly in midair. Does it does it look real? Does it you know these they're the transformers? They're fighting these monsters, and you're looking at this screen, and they're not there. They're not there. Those monsters aren't there. 
but it's like you're looking there they're there bro they're there yeah. they're fighting you know so it's it's i i, I think i for me it's it's just a process i think honestly if i went to became a cop or became like uh, something like that i would have definitely done something in the movies and i don't mean like an actor i mean like in the backgrounds Maybe like a producer or something like that. You I know? just can't believe you're not a stunt man. Oh my god! I cannot god. believe you're not in Hollywood. Well, I mean, that's I think for I mean, just before we get off topic, like this, the ability to suspend reality, living the lifestyle that you live, it, it has to come from somewhere. Whether it's I mean, some people I know it's meditation. Some people it's like reading books. Some people it's movies. Some people it's music. Some people it's art. Yeah. But it's like when you live the because I don't think people really understand the pace of life that you live. Yeah. Because you're like, I mean, I travel a lot, and whenever I'm stressed out, I'm like, huh. What Tony's doing? Oh fuck! Right. What am I stressed about? Look at this motherfucker! Like this guy, I can't keep up with this guy. But I think it, there has something to be said about the ability to keep going, the pace you're going, and mm. finding an outlet to suspend your reality. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's two hours of just like I'm eating, there, Decepticon, whatever the fuck. Yeah, let's let's roll. <laughs> let's, I'm, I'm shutting this bitch down for a few that's hours. That's what I do, man. Yeah. And, and then I just lose myself in the movie. Yeah. And then you know and then like at the end of the movie i'm like man that was a good flick you know yeah. uh i was like oh well i liked it but i wish it would have had a better ending boom, boom, boom. you know uh, you know i don't know it's just you have to lose yourself somehow yeah in the gym you know when i'm working out and i'm training it's it's my time to like kind of nothing matters other than what i'm doing at that moment in time i think a movie is that same for me like it's at that moment in time nothing else in the world matters only that what i'm watching and then now i'm embedded into that movie and i'm there what's the mindset when you train like, I mean, and, and we've been around the same crowd, right? Like, you get, the, you get the angry guys, you get the stoic guys, you get the guys who are crying. Like, where's your head at when you're training? Or is it different between discipline to discipline? Like, talk versus... It, it, okay. it is, it is. It's different. Um, okay, I want you to do this for me. Highlight it by playlist. What do you listen to when you're doing tack stuff? What do you listen to when you're fighting? What do you listen to when you're doing powerless bodybuilding? Oh, my playlist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My playlist, when it comes... Well, number one, when I'm fighting, unless I'm, I'm doing bag work or, you know, I can't even do a pad work, but bag work, speed, you know, it's it's something fat, hard. You know, boom, 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 whatever. Um, the circuits and the strength conditioning that I do, it's usually... Some form of epic score music. Okay, you ever talking seen like Russian war, fucking that marching. Type, yeah, right, like that it. type of like the movie stuff that you hear. Like yeah. I like to listen to that a lot, and I play it on my on my on my page a lot. Uh, I usually listen to that. There's no words there. There's nothing like that. Um, when I'm powerlifting or bodybuilding or something like that, I usually need uh, some form of like rock. You know, every now and then I'll hip hip hop, but it's got to be like a fast, hard hip hop. It can't be just like, the, you know, no, no you know. Drake slow jams. Yeah, no, no. slow jams. Uh, it's got to be something hard and fast hitting. Uh, when it comes to mindset, I would tell you like this: depending on what I'm working for the day, depends on my mindset. If I'm doing mixed martial arts, for example, if I'm doing jujitsu or groundwork, um, I don't. That mindset of like kill, kill, kill is not there. It's more on focusing on certain techniques and certain things that I'm doing. So my head is kind of like saying, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. So it's kind of like a chess game, like a fast chess game. Strategic. Strategic, yes. Especially when I'm rolling or I'm working on just specific things. Because in MMA, there's so many things you can work on. You know, you're always learning and you're always trying to get better, whether it's striking, whether it's groundwork, whether it's grappling. Three different things. So. At that point in time, I was like, "All right, I'm doing this. Don't fuck this up. Doing this, you got to do this right, you know, and and get better, you know." And that, and that was saying, when it comes to powerlifting or bodybuilding, it's like this is my number for the day. Do whatever it takes to get to that number. Doesn't matter about the pain. Doesn't matter about what the fuck you're going through. Doesn't matter what's going on in real in, in your life. This is your number. This is your goal. This is what you got to hit. This is what you're doing. Period. I don't care how I'm gonna get there. 
If I break my back, I break my back. If I fucking tear something, I tear it, I'm there. I don't care. I'm going to pull it. You know, so I'm getting there. If I start feeling that it's not there, in my mid-20s, I would have been, I don't give a fuck. I'm still going to hit it. Boom. Now that I'm 40, now it's like, eh, let me leave it for another day. Yeah. Like, uh, I hit 475 the other day on bench. Uh, wasn't planning on it. So I was just, I, I went, uh, first form, they're my first form, uh, they're my supplement sponsors. Um, phenomenal company. Love them, by the way. Uh, they do a first form weekend, you know, uh, like a athlete weekend. So they send me out. They, we go to, by the way, Adam Frazilla is the owner. Uh, Sal Frazilla is his brother. He's the, the president of the company. Um, there is no two guys that run a better athlete program, I believe, in my opinion, than they do. I mean, when I'm telling you about going all out for these athlete weekends, man, um, we're talking about five-star dinners, you know, filet mignon, lobster, fully paid. Uh, you go to Andy Frizzilla's farm, ATV riding, helicopter rides. <laughs> You're getting Yeti igloo coolers. You know what I'm saying? These guys, they give back. You know, and, and I think that's why I've been with the company for so long because they just take care of their athletes, you know, and they're really good people, you know, hearted people. Their last athlete, and I want to just bring this up so people understand, was a overweight female. Um, she lost, I don't know, fuck, 200 pounds or something, an enormous amount of weight. So what happens is she does a transformation for like a year and a half, two years. She does it. She does a whole entire thing, loses all this weight. Well, her skin is obviously, you yeah. know, it's, it's not where it needs to be. So she goes and she she has she wants to get a a, a cost of what it's going to cost her to get the, the surgery, you know, for her. She goes in, she doesn't know that Andy and Sal are there the whole time. So they they're there. They're doing a whole documentary on it. Really, really, yeah. So boom, boom, boom. They, 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 she gets in there. It's about eighty k to do the <laughs> exactly eighty thousand dollars to this uh, to the surgery. So. Um, they have her do the thing, documentary. Then 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 they get her, and instead of taking her back to get her purse and all that, they're like, oh, come to this room, you know, uh, so we can talk about the, the different financing options and all this stuff. When she gets there, Andy and Sal are there waiting for her, you know? <laughs> yeah. So she gets there, you know, and she's like, oh, what's going on? And she still doesn't know because I talked to her this last weekend. And, um, bro, you see this video and it's like, that's changing your life. That's not, that's not like rock hard abs, you know, let's get a, let's get a medal. You, this, this girl you know, and I'll show you a picture of her later on, but um, she gets there and they're like, okay, by the way, you know, um, I just want to tell you for your hard work and de dedication, determination all these last years, we're going to cover your cost for this for this thing. 80K, bam, right? So I'm like, oh, I was like, damn, that's fucking awesome. You know, boom, gives her the $80,000, you know, right then and there, you know, she's going, she's ecstatic. She goes, oh, and by the way, <laughs> and by the way, we've chosen you to be the next uh, first form elite athlete you're going to be our next elite athlete and with that comes a $50,000 signing bonus <laughs> here's $50,000 for you on top of the $80,000 that we're gonna that we're going to uh pay for the yeah for the thing no shit yeah. that's wild man I want to I want I may be less for the for the surgery. I don't. I'm. I'm I. I don't know. I have eighty in my head, but it may be. It's gonna be maybe like sixty, eighty thousand or something like that. But, it, it, bro, when I saw that, you see that video and you get goosebumps. Yeah. You get goosebumps because, yo, you know what that girl, like what she's been through, like all this, you know, all the hard work, two hundred pounds, Jordan, two hundred pounds, you know, it, and it was like, oh, but you, she, you know, she got there. It's like, no, it doesn't matter 
what got her there. The matter is what she did to get that weight off her for her health and for everything. And then having a company that just come in and be like, hey, by the way, because of your hard work, I'm going to do that. You don't see that. No. You don't see that. You don't see that ever because of your hard work. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm a first form till I die. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they've definitely won me over. Uh, fuck, I went on a rant. What yeah. were we talking we're about? talking about mindset. The mindset? Yeah. Um, what was, oh, that was it the powerlifting? Yeah, we were just kind of going through music, but I, I want to dig more into that side because I think that's where you set yourself apart is in business. Because okay. it's like, I mean, being around sponsors, we actually share a sponsor, yep. Gasp, and mm-hmm. like, yep. and I, I, I would speak as highly to them as you speak about First Form, and mm-hmm. I know that your vetting process in the companies you deal with yeah. is to that level, and I know a lot of people in the industry who don't have that. Yeah. Anyone with a blank checkbook that comes around, yeah. or even no checkbook comes around, just the idea of being a sponsored athlete to people is just like, yeah, yeah, I can put it on my Instagram. Yeah. Where did you start getting real sharp in the business side of things? Like when you start to look mm. at like the your key performance indicators of likes, follows, subscribers, downloads, all that stuff, and then you go, okay, there's a market here. And now you, because you hold yourself to high value, which is good, and I don't think a lot of people in the industry do, and it devalues the rest of us who are trying to. It's like, mm. why give me X thousands of dollars where I can, some kid down the street yeah. will do it for free. What's like the business mindset? Where do you draw motivation, inspiration, education on that side of things? Or is that just something innate that's always been around? So uh, for me, it was literally hitting walls. I learned through trial and error. Uh, I started getting contacted by companies at the 100000 mark. Uh, I'll tell you like that. It, nowadays, I don't think there's going to be a company that's going to pay you a salary or a retainer under 100 k uh, once you hit the 100K, then they start coming out, especially if you have good engagement, you know? Um, it's not like it was four or five years ago. Now it's hard. It's really hard to get that sponsorships and to get that because nowadays everybody's got 250K, 300,000, 400,000 followers. It just depends on what they're looking for or who they need. You as a person have to find your niche. What is your niche? What are you good at? I'm a firm believer that everybody has a gift somewhere, something, physical, mental, something. You have a gift. Every person is unique. The problem is that 90% of the population don't find it. Either they're too lazy, too complacent, they don't care, they're not willing to sacrifice, to you know what I mean, to find it. Once you find it, nobody will be able to be you. And that's what I'm saying. I have 100,000 people that copy me all year round that copied my training my technical training when i first came out that that copied the style of training that i do without giving me credit by doing this by to go for their videos get viral they ain't gonna be me they're not me no matter how hard they try they're not gonna be me so i don't worry about that you as a person can't worry about that you have to be you be you be who you are be true to who you are um when you get the following, however you're going to get it, I don't know, some people get it organically, some people pay for shout-outs, some people do this, some people do that, or whatever. Um, however you get it, just make sure you're engaged in who's following you because you can have 3 million followers, but if your freaking engagement sucks and you're worthless, your page is worthless, companies aren't going to pay you, even though you have 3 million followers. If, you're, if you're, you have 3 million followers and you're getting 10,000 likes you know, per photo, per video, and 20,000 views, ain't nobody going to touch you. Because they know it's bullshit, you know. If you have a high engagement and mediocre follower, hardcore following, you know, people are going to be like, okay, that person's worth paying the certain amount of money for. Um, depending on the person, depends on what you get paid. You know, everybody has their different rates, you know. 
once you get to a certain amount of number. You have to put value on yourself and what you bring to the table. I have sat in front of multi-million dollar companies, myself, with CEOs, you know, COOs, whatever. And I've had to pitch myself. Now, I don't, for example, I don't ever approach a company. Like, I never go to them and I was like, hey, I want to work with you. Usually, they, if they come to me and they were like, hey, listen, we want to sit down with you and talk about some options of maybe partnership, whatever, sponsorship. I'm like, okay. But when you get there and you're sitting down in that seat and you don't have a proposal, you don't have anything, you know, you're going to look like an idiot. You have to be able to market yourself, not only as a person, but as a brand. Because that's what you are. You as an as a individual, at the end of the day, you're still a brand. So you have to be able to say, well, I'm going to bring to this company, this is what I can bring to the table. Boom, 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 boom. And that should be written down somewhere on paper. So when you're done speaking to them, give them that piece of paper, call me whenever you're ready. They look at it and they say, okay, these are all the things because you're going to talk about, let's say you talk to them for an hour, an hour and a half. And... They're going to forget 50% of everything you've told them, maybe more than that, like 70% of everything you've told them. But if it's on paper and you have some kind of bullet points of all these different aspects of what you can bring to the table, they look back at that and say, well, remember we talked about this, remember we talked about that, and they're like, you know, whatever, uh, um, getting together, the CEO and, and the marketing guy and whatever, whatever. At the same time, have some knowledge and do your research on the company that you're working with. Don't sit on that table and talk to a CEO and have no idea what this company, how it started, when it started, and all these different things. You know what I mean? Like, I'll get there, and even though, let's say I didn't know anything about the company beforehand, I'll get there and I'll sit on that table. I don't know when this company started, who's the CEO, who's the founder, who's this, who's that. And I read it on paper. It's right in front of me, but I wrote it on paper. So if I forget the name or whatever, I can always go look back on that piece of paper. You know, um, I know you guys found it in this and this and this. You've been here. This is what you're making. It. You know, I just go back and I just, like, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy did his homework. You know, then part three, which is the most important is marketing and social media. Understand it. Understand the algorithm. Understand what your consumers and what the people that you're catering to are going to react to. You understand what I'm saying? Like saying, if I come to this company and I'd be like, yo, uh, I'm sitting down and they're trying to hire me, I'm going to be like, look, I've been looking at your social media, all right, for me to come on board and to be effective in your company so we both are successful, there's a couple things that are lacking. Let me show you what I saw. Bang, 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 okay? This will help you here. This will help you there. When I do YouTube videos, if we can do this together, this will help here. Give them different things that they can see that is going to be effective for their brand and yours, both. So now you're kind of like setting up a guideline of what you think is going to be the most effective and how they're going to be successful and they're going to get a return on investment compared to you. And that's it. You know, you can come to these guys and, and give them something. They're going to be more apt to work with you and to pay you because they see all the work you're willing to put into that company. You know? Now, you said it's not what it was three to four years ago as far as the industry, as far as like yeah. compensation. Projecting out now, where do you see it going and how are you looking to adapt kind of your presence, whether it's in person and yeah. you kind of alluded to some things you got in the pipe. Like, Where do you see it going and how do you how are you going to adapt and mold to the way the industry or the direction the, moves, the industry is moving to? For me right now, it's it's about sustainability. So understanding, and everybody, every athlete has to understand this, sponsorships are privilege. They're not sustainable. Meaning you may work with a company a couple years, one, two years, 
1% of every company you work with will last you five years of sponsorship. Why? Because eventually their consumer base and your consumer base knows that you work with them and you're going to only reach a certain amount after that. So after about three to four years, five years and years, if you're not coming up with different stuff or coming up with different products or making yourself useful to the company other than just social media outlets, then most likely they're going to cut your head off. So what do you do? Uh, signature products. You make a signature product through them. If it does very well, they make an extra 200K a year. You make a certain amount of percentage based off of that. Your affiliate, whatever, however percentage you make, uh, your commission. Now you're going to be more important to them because why? Now not only are they paying you for social media, now they're paying you for 200K that's coming in every year just on your name. You know what I'm saying? So that concept right there is how the sustainability becomes where now I'm not working with this company two years anymore. Now I'm working five to ten years because we've come out with two products and both products have been successful and they sell a lot, right? So how do I do that? Well, whenever I work with a company, I start off a year. If the year one's good, second year come out with a product. Push that product, push it as hard as you possibly can, make sure it's selling throughout the year. If you're selling throughout the year, at the end of that year, you're going to see, well, this guy not only, we paid him this much money a month, but this guy also brought us in another 250 k or another thirty or 40, Even let's say it's not $250,000. Let's say it's just thirty dollars or $40,000. Now, he's doubling what we're paying him, and he's making us extra more money, so it's worth keeping him because he's not only marketing the brand through social media outlets, but at the same time, he's making us more money. You How know? do you manage your time? Manage the time you don't. How do you, how do you manage? No, but like on a serious <laughs> note, dude, like, because I'm like, I don't want to say I'm a one-trick pony, but I just do one thing, and I just do it seven different ways. Okay. Like whether it's the podcast, whether it's lecturing, whether it's seminars, whether it's writing, whether it's podcasts, whether it's Instagram, I pretty much center all my offering around applied biomechanics. It's kind of my shtick. Okay. But like, how do you, and that's hard as shit for me with the travel and everything else, but how do you like literally on a day-to-day how do you manage your time between like just, I mean, that business thing alone, like you just went, you just went out of your own mind and was just like year one is this. And like, how the fuck do you like, when you wake <laughs> up in the morning to when you go to bed, how do you manage business across three industries with numerous sponsorships in each, your own training across three separate disciplines, yeah. your own focus and mindset has to come with each and then still have time to sit down and watch Man on Fire. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, system. You have okay. to build a system. What do you got? You have to build a system that works for you. Yeah. Um, uh, I've gotten to a point, it's like, let me see, the best way that I could explain to it is like, uh, how many deadlifts do you think you've done in the last year? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Okay, so Thou- uh, let's say- A thousand? A thousand deadlifts you did last year, right? In those thousand deadlifts, how many times you actually th- did you actually think about when you got on the bar and pulled? Meaning, the first year that you started deadlifting, okay, before you actually went on the platform and pulled, yeah, how many different things did you have to think about? Oh, like a million, right? Yeah. Now, when you go onto the platform and you pull, no. nothing. Nothing. That's it. Why? Done it so many times. Muscle memory. Yeah. Right. So you know the form. You know the technique. Your body does. You created those patterns over years of repetition, 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 repetition. Me, over the last five years, I've signed so many contracts, done so much marketing, done so much, um, so many things in different aspects that I don't have to think about it so much anymore. It just comes naturally to me in regards to like, I can sit here and give you a seminar, two hours seminar on how to market yourself and 
how you're going to be able to do that and how you're going to work with these different companies. I won't have to think about it. It'll just come naturally because I did it so much in the beginning. Like I was constantly, I would be on, on emails and on this and I was like, what am I going to say now? Like, what am I going to do now? What do you, you know, what's next? And how can I make, how can I continue making money? So I'm not 25 years old. I'm not. I'm fucking turning 40 next year, so I can't do all the crazy shit. In five years, I'm not going to be able to do all the crazy shit that I've been doing for the last 10 years. Like, I'm not. So I have to understand that in the next 10 years, I have to build some form of a brand, some form of a platform for myself, a guideline, a foundation that is going to last me for the next 20 or 30 years. If I make it to 60, 70, I'll be happy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know. So, you know, uh, I have to build that. You as a person, regardless of what age you are, you have to understand that that there's it's going to come to a point where you're not going to be able to do the things that you can do now or before or whatever. So how are you going to be able to still make the same amount of money or even more money five years from now or ten years from now? You have to set up a plan of attack, some kind of a plan. Now, it may not be the, the, the most specific plan, but you're literally, you have this foundation that you've built, right? And you're literally putting blocks on it, blocks on it, blocks on it, blocks on it. So when 10 years down the line, you're three or four levels up. That's it. You just got to make sure that every single block you put is goddamn concrete. It's not fucking made out of wood. It's not made out of fucking, you know, th that weak ass shit for, for no, Micah. I, no Ikea stuff. <laughs> no Ikea stuff. Ikea foundation you know, here. You have to put something that's going to be solid and that's going to work for you, yeah. you know, uh, and that is sustainable. For example, like that money that's coming in, you know, you got to have that shirt in your head. You got to be like, all right, I know for the next five years, I will at least make this much money. Whatever extra money I make. I need to put it back into marketing. I need to put it into savings. I need to put it into something so that at those in the five years, I have this much in savings or I have this much or whatever. And that's how you, next five years, it's the same thing. Next five years, the same thing. So I have one year goals. Usually like at the end of this year, I want to be here. And then I have a five-year goal. So you know what I mean? Like, and then at those five years is usually compounded over those four or five. You know what I mean? Like each year compounded at the end of the five. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I need to be here at those five. You know, so, and for me, it's even worse because I have less time than these 25, 26 year old kids, you know, that they're still good for another 15 years doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. I don't have that luxury. You know, I started a little bit later and I, and I, and I'm, I'm a firm believer. And I tell people all the time, I waited longer than I should have to make the leap that I did. Does that give you an edge though? I think there's something to be said about urgency, man. Like I'm 28 and I'm surrounded by a fucking, not, not here in this physical space, but yeah. In a demographic, I'm surrounded by a bunch of fucking millennials that don't want to work. No, oh, because yeah. they think they're going to live forever, and there's no urgency. It's like yeah. I, like I wake up every, and who knows, I might die tomorrow. But like, there's, there's that urgency. Is that a gift? The fact that it's like, hey man, this five year goal, like, does that make your goals bigger? Like, imagine if you had 15. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think honestly, regardless of how you look at it, if you're an ambitious person, you're an ambitious person. If you're a person with goals, you're a person with goals. Uh, whether you're 25. Or whether you're 35 or 40, you know, uh, you're going to push. Usually people like that, they have that it's that instinct or that personality is just embedded in them. And there doesn't matter. And, and, I, and I tell this to people all the time. Uh, everybody wants to be a monster, right? Everybody wants to be a monster. When you become that monster that you've been wanting to become, and I don't mean physical, I don't mean in, in just in general, whatever your set goal is, whatever your ending goal is, that to you is your monster, that's your that's your monster. Me, people say it's like, oh man, I want to be a monster like you, and I'm like, no, you don't. Because to become the monster that you want to become in this world, you have to sacrifice everything, 
everything. You have to be willing to throw everything in the garbage. You have to be willing to sacrifice every portion of your life, whether it's personal, business, whatever. Then the worst thing about that is after five or ten years of sacrificing and sacrificing and putting in work and busting your ass and, and the trials and hitting the walls and doing all this or whatever, you made it. And you know what? You're not even fucking happy. Because now you want to be a monster that's 550 fucking pounds instead of just a regular monster. So it's just a stepping stone. You get there and you realize all that fucking work. For example, gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist. They work their whole entire life to get that Olympic gold. They get it. As soon as they fucking get off that podium, hey, let's rest for a couple of weeks. Back to work. Never satisfied. Let's go to two. And when you get the second one, what do you want to do? Let's go to three. You know, it's just... But if you never have that mindset, you'll never get one. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. You have to continually push yourself, you know. But do you... This is what you ask after. Is it really... Is it worth it for you? Yeah. Is it really worth everything? Is it worth, you know, it, it's like this, um, that's that preacher guy. He says it is like, you know, if uh, being successful, you have Eric to. Eric Thomas. Yeah, Eric Thomas. Yeah. He's the one that. Um, I know exactly. You're willing to breathe. About, like, yeah, 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 that breathing. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, man. Yeah. It's if I know, Jordan, no bullshit. I wake up in the morning thinking about what's the step? What do I got to do? Striving the cars from light to light. I'm thinking about what's next. What is the. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, man, what about I come up with this? Making phone calls, doing things. Get to the gym, I'm still thinking it. I go to sleep thinking about it. In my dreams, I dream about it. It doesn't fucking stop in your damn head, man. And it's 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 like an itch. You know what I'm saying? That it com- you have to continually scratch it and just, and no matter how much you scratch it, it keeps itching. It's good. And it's bad. It has the pros and has its cons. Uh, but you have to be willing to understand the animal. You got to understand it. You got to feed it. You yeah. know, and everybody's a little bit different, but you're a fucking monster, man. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your time. Um, I mean, everyone knows where to find you. Uh, Instagram yeah. at Real World Tactical. Um, online presence. Where Where are we looking to find you, man? Like online. Where, yeah, outside of Instagram. Um, local, YouTube. Man. I do have YouTube. Uh, Real World Tactical. Same exact thing. Facebook. Uh, I don't post a lot on my Facebook. I just that's pretty much anything that I post on Instagram goes back to Facebook. Uh, mainly the stuff that I'm trying to work on now is YouTube. Uh, I'm gonna start. I've been being people have been hitting me a lot more often. You know, for the YouTube. Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you. YouTube. I stopped doing YouTube stuff for like I don't know seven eight months. Uh, I'm not a negative person, and there's a lot of negativity on YouTube. Dude, I'd love to see a Tony podcast. I could listen to this, and I am going to listen to this because I own the fucking file. <laughs> but no, I dig it, man. Like, I think there's so much behind the scenes that YouTube's not going to, that YouTube can't get. Like, I think this is something that resonates with a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. You know what's funny is that this is actually the first podcast I've ever gotten into, like, actually marketing or business aspects of things. I, I hardly always, like, I always talk about my past, you know, and just the training and stuff. So this was good. This was a refresher for me in regards to, like, just giving people an idea of, how the business works, man. You know what I'm saying? You're a prime example. I'm a, and I'm a firm believer of this. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. when, when, cause I hear you talk about striking. I hear you talk, or I see you strike. I see you lift. I see you in like yeah. on the range. And it's like, why wouldn't he treat business any different? You have how to you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. You have to, it, it, man. And I think that is one of the things that a lot of athletes that are phenomenal athletes and gifted athletes and their work ethic is ridiculous that they lack in marketing themselves the correct way. They don't market themselves the way so they don't capitalize on the amount of money that they can make just because they're so 
into the athlete aspect and forgetting that, oh, by the way, you're also a brand and also should be making money in doing what you love. You know, and I love that part because, like, you're the only we're one of very few people in the industry that I've talked to about business, about marketing, about branding yourself. Yeah, that has fucking twenty inch arms and eighteen inch neck. <laughs> Usually, it's some fucking it's like a hit up on LinkedIn and some douchebag is just like, "Hey, bro, let me grow your social media following." It, it's like, how about you go fist yourself? That's not sad. <laughs> you know what's funny is that as much as everybody hates to talk about it, every single person like they love what they do, right? Yeah. So, strength coach. All these different people, colleague, collegiate, professional, all these guys. Nobody will ever tell you, they can never tell you that they don't want to get paid for what they love to do, right? So why not get paid for it? If you love to train, if you're a powerlifter, do you really want to powerlift your whole entire life as a hobby? Or would you like to like leave your job and powerlift full-time and make a six-figure income? Who's going to tell you no? What idiot is going to tell you, no, I wouldn't want to, you know, I'm true to the game. I'm tr- Man, the f- <laughs> yeah, 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 I was like, true I'm, a true game. I'm a true bodybuilder. I'm a true, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I do up. my groceries at the convenience yeah, store, like you know a true saying? powerlifter. Like I a true, it, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and by the way, now I have to powerlift only from this time to this time because yeah. I have to work from this time to this time. Yeah. No real guy that's passionate about it or loves it wants to do that. They that's a word, passion. That's a word, you know. So the only problem is they don't know how to. They don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to, you know, uh, and I'll give you a prime example, Larry Wheels. Larry Wheels. Larry Wheels is a phenomenon. He's a gift, right? He's got a gift. He's phenomenal, strong. How did Larry Wheels become famous? Lifting weights? No. No? No. How did Larry get famous? His intensity. Okay. How many guys lift more than Larry Wheels? Yeah, there's a handful. There's guys that are stronger than Larry. There's a lot of guys that are stronger than Larry. Maybe they're not me. In totality, maybe like to totally, no. but how many guys do what Larry does stronger than Larry? And but they don't have his intensity. They don't have his personality in regards to. Not that I don't mean personal personality. I mean intensity in the gym or whatever. Yeah. What made Larry Wheels was the screaming and the intensity and the passion that he portrays to everyone else. So I tell this to all the time. He found it. Now him being strong, and him being. Larry Wheels strong. Because <laughs> yeah. they're strong. Out of his yeah. mind. There's Larry, they're strong and there's Larry Wheels strong. Yeah. It is, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but is a lot more common yeah. than what Larry Wheels' personality and intensity brings to the table. So what happens? And, and I've been following Larry Wheels. I've known Larry Wheels. You've known Larry Wheels for a long time when he was at 150,000 followers or 100,000 followers, you know? And from one day to the next, he says, you know what? He, he fucking risks it. He goes from New York to California makes a couple good videos, they go fucking viral, and boom. Next thing you know, he's fucking killing it. New merchandise, new sponsors, new this, new that. Pages out of 1.1 million followers right now, growing four to 5,000 a day. You know what I'm saying? Over, you know what? Over him being strong and having intensity and being passionate about what he does. I think that's the key, man. I think passion, because it's like, it's something you recognize in anyone. Like, I could sit here with a guy who plays chess, and I've said this before, and if he's passionate about it, We'll get along. No, oh, absolutely. He's willing to lay it all on the line for the queen or however the fuck. I've her. told people, I see people's videos, right? Online, on Instagram. And I go, it's as simple as this. I was like, okay, I see this video that you're doing and it's a badass circuit. It's a badass lift. It's a badass this or that. I go, but it's widescreen. I can barely see you. You look like a little freaking, a little G.I. Joe guy in my hand. So how am I supposed to relate to you? If I can't see you and I can't see your emotion, I can't see your passion, how do I relate to that as a consumer? You can't. 
So I explained to people, I was like, make it square or make it up and down where I can see your face, where I can see the passion that you're bringing to the table so that when I'm done watching this video, it's going to make me want to get up and do a couple of fucking circuits and a couple of things because I see what you're, how, how much heart you're giving, how much that. But if you don't show me that and it's just another circuit or it's just another lift or it's just another that, then how am I supposed to relate to you as a person? Yeah. I can't. You know, and that's the thing people get away from with social media. It is so impersonable. But the people who do the best are the people who somehow get to portray the Correct. reality through this distorted reality that is their phone. That is right. what it is, it's, and and it's it's a, it's a it's what I call a hit and run. So if you don't catch them in the first five to ten seconds, you lost them. Instagram is a scroller. YouTube is an investor, right? Scroller. What he means. You're constantly scrolling on Instagram. When you're on YouTube, you don't scroll through YouTube. You're going on YouTube. Can I see this? Oh, yeah, that's 10 minutes of my day. I'm invested in that. So those two types of people, YouTube people are usually a lot more hardcore. Why? You're taking 10 minutes out of their life for them to see who you are. They want to see you. They're passionate about it. Instagram is more of like, oh, let me see what this guy's doing today. Oh, yeah, if you don't get them in that first five, say, boom, scroll right next to the next one. Okay, next one, next one. Why? Because they have... 3,000 people they're following. Let me see who's next. So you got to get them. You got to hit them with a two-by-four to the face. It's true. That's you, the most Tony way to describe yeah, it. You, I'd imagine you probably hit a few people with a two-by-four. Uh, well, I've been the one hit by a two-by-four by Diego, by the way. Um, so, you know, you got to get their attention. People's attention span nowadays are very, very, like, small. So if you're doing something, a video, whatever it may be, why is that cover so important? Why is the cover? It's because if you can't get their attention on a cover, they're going to scroll right through your shit. Oh, it's another deadlift. Oh, there's another bicep curl. Oh, you know what I mean? So why do you, why do the covers make a difference? Why? Because if they, for them to click on you, that's a view. And for them to like it, they have to fucking click on a like. And that's how you create your engagement. And then your engagement is worth is how much you're worth to that company that is going to pay you $3,000 a month to promote their stuff. And it's that much of a cycle. It's that simple. Boom, 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 boom. But if you don't do it, you don't get paid, you don't get shit, and you're eating out of a fucking dumpster in two weeks. Bam. Love it. I love it. Because we're talking about like short attention spans and we'll have tens of thousands of people that just listen to you for like an hour and a half. I do, I'm telling you, man. I, I think like I would pay I would pay the price of like just getting you this podcast set up just so I could listen to you in my car once a day. Because just like, all right, just red light to red light to red light. Fucking next. What's next? What's next? What's next? Uh, it's true, man. You got to think like that in your head. Like um, not a lot of people know this, only like personal friends. But I'm, I'm uh, hopefully if everything works out good, uh, me and Diego Devera, we're going to be opening a gym together, Fuck you yeah. know, uh, down here in Miami. Of course, I don't do every anything like everybody else. It's going to be a fully outdoor gym all on the outside. Uh, it's going to have all-encompassing fitness. I'm hoping to have an obstacle course. I'll be really happy, all of my stuff. So that has been literally embedded into my brain since November of 2018. I sleep, eat, breathe that freaking trash every damn day waiting for the closing waiting for this and then what am i gonna do and then how am i gonna do it amongst all the other stuff you already got sure. so it, for it to be you know obviously you want everything that you do to be successful if you're not obsessed with it or like fully in it how is it gonna be successful how jordan how are you gonna figure out a way to like put yourself you know putting something like that to me i made it from Miami, from nothing. I got a business. Yeah, my own brand. But putting something down on the roots in my hometown, in where I grew up my whole entire life, when people said I couldn't fucking do it, when people told me I wasn't going to make it, when people told me I was fucking crazy for leaving the fucking police work, 
all these fucking people, when I fucking stand and I cut that goddamn line on that fucking gym and I have a successful business, a successful brand, when everybody said it wasn't going to be done, when people said they were going to help me and they didn't fucking help me, I did it on my own, fuck you. Good, man. I appreciate it. You know what that's I mean? That's the, that's that. the thing. We're closing on that. So believe in what you want to believe in. Do what you got to fucking do. Don't worry about nobody else. Fucking work hard and do it, period. Ladies you know? and gentlemen, Tony, real world tactical. That's it. It's a mic drop.